On today's episode of Discologist, we're sitting down with singer-songwriter Kim Ware of Kim Ware and the Good Graces to talk about her new album, Ready. Plus, we'll be exploring the outer reaches of your mind with a new track from Bitchin' Bajas and enjoying some folky guitar goodness from Maryland's own John Camp. Are you ready? Let's get on with the show. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Coming to you live from the Sylvanesso show. <laughs> uh, ooh. This is exactly what it sounded like, by the way. <laughs> Just the whole time. This sounds <sighs> nicer than the crowd at the Idol show. Or I should say, yeah. uh, you know, less more restrained than the crowd at last night's idol show oh they were just yelling there was a lot of um it's a it's a it's an animated crowd it's an animated crowd between the the moshing and the you know crowd surfing and just the general mayhem okay okay it's a good show um i hope people are excited for our show today i i i am we have Um, first of all us yeah, it's, it's good. Right, it's good. right. We have we have some good stuff, but also get to talk to Kim Ware, her new album, Ready. I finally got came to out talk on to her. Friday. Yeah, I feel like she and I have been trading like messages and emails for like years now, and I finally yeah. got to talk to her. It was really great. Yeah, you know, and and we didn't ask her about that, but that's right, and that is one of those weird things because. We've been doing this for 10 years. You've been involved for probably like eight, seven, eight. Something like that, yeah. Something like that. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. something like that. And her name has always been out there. Yeah. And I've talked to her before, but it's just like, it's it's always, always, always been out there. Yeah. That's wild. I should have brought that up. Anyways. Well, you'll get, you'll get to hear that uh, in, in a few fellow music fans. Right now, um, oh, before we get to that, should we talk about Fish? <laughs> sure. What are, what are we saying? What, are we, no, talking, what I, are we talking about? I got to get it out of my system, man. I yeah, can't. Man. Um, I can't talk about it with with real fish fans or actual <laughs> like big fish fans. Um, yeah. And and they don't want to talk about it with me because like you can't. And deadheads are the same way. You can't say anything negative. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. You just can't puncture that. And honestly, I don't want to puncture anybody's bubble. If if you're just like blissful, that's fucking awesome. But. I digress. Actually, I think the music we're going to be talking about today is blissful. Um, I'm going to start because I think it. you started last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, talking about this band, Bitchin' Bajas, uh, which I was not going to do this because it got like a what a seven point six on Pitchfork. Uh, it, did you know, it get the it best noticed, new music but, tag? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Best new music or something, and deservedly so. These guys, uh, Cooper Crane, Rob Fry, and Dan Quinn Livin from Chicago. Make a kind of uh, ambient, druggy, uh, vibe music. Um, they use just a whole range of, of equipment, stuff you wouldn't think of. And they're not necessarily often even concerned about key changes. There, there are four, 
four songs on this uh, uh, album, uh, Bahasilitators. <laughs> and like the track we're going to play is literally, it's just, it's, it's a drone. Um, drone is, is a interesting subsection of, of music, especially in the indie crowd. You know, it's, it, it's perfect for meditation, but it's also, I find it's great for meditating in public, you know, experiencing mm-hmm. something in public, however you get to that place. Like I think, I think whether you are uh, looking for an experience to like elevate you, get you out there, or you're like looking for something to enhance the place that you're already at. Um, so like, not drugs versus on drugs. You know, it's it's very it's very <laughs> druggy music, but. Um, they're just such a fast. I've seen it at Cactus Club. They're going to play here again um, in October, I think. They're just such a fascinating band because on paper it does not seem like it can be this powerful. But I can tell you, when you listen to <laughs> this album, the shortest track and the one we're going to play is nine minutes and forty-two seconds. Uh, the longest, <laughs> the longest track <laughs> tops out at fifteen minutes. Um, you, you get it. Uh, and so we're gonna we're gonna play this. The, the name of the track is Amorpha. Uh, this is Bitch and Bajas off their album Bajasilitators.
now that Eduardo has evaporated. <laughs> I'm Dude, a fine, you just vape I'm yourself? A, I'm a fine <laughs> mist. I'm a fine mist. I'm a live resin uh, mist somewhere. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm I'm not. Um, yeah, I see. I see why that's getting attention. Um, really, uh, you know, it's, it's obviously like for people who have been listening to our show for a while, like this is clearly up our alley. You know, this could have been, yeah, uh, this could have been like, uh, the bastard child of like flying Lotus and international anthem. Um, and, uh, and God, what a, what a great, what a great piece. What a great, um, what a great use of the, the instrumentation there. And that, that, that little, you know, the, the bass is really doing, a lot of the heavy lifting on that song, you know, it's sort of, it really is providing the sort of like melodic center. Um, and it's a huge structuring element for that. Uh, yeah. And they just slip little things in. I, this is actually Ken at Acme is one of his favorite bands and he's okay. the one who turned me on to it. Uh, there yeah. was another album that they did. Um, and, uh, I, I just remembered this, the show that I saw them at Cactus Club was, I came home and started work on uh, My Name Was Gus. Yeah. I, 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 I was so inspired by, by this band that I was like, well, I obviously have to, this is this is a mode I need to explore. Um, I think what's, they, they, res, they resist hard throughout the whole album. The urge to give you necessarily what you want. You know, yeah. they're 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 locked into the vibe of, of what they're doing. And after a few minutes, you just it's like they slide out a beanbag and you're like, hey, you wanna grab a seat? <laughs> yeah. You wanna you wanna you wanna hang out? This, <laughs> we're just gonna be doing this for a while, dude. Yeah. Um this album in particular, so if you get the vinyl, it's one song per side, it's two platters. It's a double, yeah. And <laughs> Wow. And it's not like you flip it over like a forty-five RPM album, like where you have to like, like one song off like the NXS reissue or whatever. It's like, oh great, I got to hear Devil Inside. Flip it over. <laughs> um, no, this is like each each side you go on a journey. One interesting thing about their albums too, it's really hard to figure out which side is which, and I think that's intentional because I think it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. I think you can put this on at any point and just sort of float. Yeah. I like that. I like that. That actually, that makes me think of the, the tortoise album TNT, I think, which is sort of like that too. When I first got that album, gosh, 20 some years ago, I had a really hard time making sense of, um, and I think I probably swapped the two records in the sleeve at one point for probably years. I was listening to like, you know, LP two thinking it was LP one. Um, and it doesn't matter. It was just, you know, it was just a delightful little thing. I, I do like. I think uh, Alabaster Plume makes records like this, where yeah. um, it's it's a really interesting consumer experiment when a band presents an album that you don't have to listen to in order. I mean, making a track list is an art, but this is like kind of saying you figure it out. Yeah, each each play is a different experience, right? Each each listen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Very cool. So I, I, I uh, like I said, Very normally cool. don't go for the super hype stuff, but uh, but I love this fucking record. So uh, the hype is the hype is deserved. Um, Y'all. Well, I have something in a similar vein. Um, 
although <laughs> although considerably shorter. Uh, <laughs> not a diss. Um, we will get to Kim Ware in a second, I promise. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, I was at Hyattsville Porch Fest last Saturday. Uh, my friend Mari's bluegrass band was playing in front of Red Onion, and I got there early enough to catch John Camp, um, who had the slot right before then. And, um, uh, he was playing, uh, by himself on the guitar and I was, I was just immediately, uh, captivated, um, by his playing and, um, uh, wanted, and I immediately thought of, of, I was like, oh, this needs to be a track, uh, for, for the podcast. And I sent you the file and it, of course, Kevin, it turns out you've already heard of him, right? Yeah, well, I, I I met him. I talked to him for a little bit. He played the yeah. Seventh Stanine Festival because he's from like he lives up in there. Yeah, area. he's playing he's playing Rhizome, I think, in in a couple weeks here. He plays Rhizome like every week. It's insane. Yeah. But he he also and for our listeners who don't know where Rhizome is, it's an art space in in Tacoma Park, Maryland, just north of DC. It's a, a wonderful space. But um, here he played as like a, kind of a it was the John Camp Orchestra basically. Oh, wow. And uh, Matt from the the Caribbean actually played, sat in with that. Oh, cool! And Dave did huh. too. So it was Matt and Dave from the Caribbean, and then a bunch of other people. Uh, had a guy on pedal steel. Uh, it, was, it was a fantastic set. Um, wow! But yeah, the guy is, and that was the first I'd heard of him, and I was just like, I was kind of blown away. Um, I don't know what this is going to sound like, but when I heard him, and you see if we this compares, I picked up a lot of Bill Frizzell in this. I was, uh, yeah, I was going to sort of say like, and Kevin, you might hear uh, something that reminds you of a guitarist that you really like. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. for people who don't know, um, my, my my original guitarist session is always going to be Rod Cooter. Rod Cooter is number one. He just is. Um, but over the past few years, I finally like dug into Bill Frizzell and man. Oh Special. Man. Yeah. 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 So yeah. when I hear somebody... Doing the Frizzell. I'm like, I think I'll pay attention to that. Yeah. Well let's 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 do it. Archaic Echo by John Camp. All right.
Did that did that scratch some some Frizzell cooter? Uh, it did, and uh, I, I love using um, underneath it. You kind of loop uh, some a distorted tone. Um, so he can do it a couple different ways. Yeah, huh? he has. He's um, the the credits on this have him have him playing bass and guitars on this. I think so. Um, yeah, and so yeah. so that drone that you hear underneath it is just a loop. Um, where you get like a little bit of distortion mm-hmm. going and a little bit of feedback, not too much, and then you just kind of like combine them, and it gets this nice like warm, and he added tremolo to it, and it's just like oh that feels good, uh, and then yeah that that's that's a beautiful piece, uh, and I feel like you're gonna hate what I'm gonna say right now. <laughs> there, there, there was there was a lot of uh, soundtrack work that was that was formidable for me. In the eighties, uh, Ooh, I'm excited. I, I I think I know where this is. I'm wondering where this is going. My fingers. Ry Cooter did a bunch, but so did Eric Clapton. Oh, and, okay. And yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I and, thought uh, I thought you were going to go to Local Hero by Mark Knopfler, which is another good. No, uh, no, that's fantastic. Yeah. No, that yeah. that's actually a nice and clean album. Now yeah. the, the Clapton stuff is kind of like it's kind of embarrassing to hindsight, but so is the, the Ry Cooter stuff, um, like Johnny Handsome. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, and I think the the Clapton one I'm thinking about was like Homeboy or Homebody or something. But but they were both movies that starred Mickey Rourke. That oh, that, that was the connection. And I'll, <laughs> I'll send you these, and like you can't find them anywhere um, anymore. But uh, but yeah, that kind of music is is uh, very close to my heart. Uh, this is this guy's great. Since I, since I met him. Like I've been like listening to a lot of his stuff, and it's just it's all fantastic. I I do have one question. We maybe we won't answer it here. Um, white dudes and primitive guitar. White dudes who don't play instruments. Well, well. So there's. I think. I think what's. I think what you're seeing is. I'm thinking about um, something that our listeners will hear you you say to Kim during the interview, which is about this idea of like, well, why can't people just hear the emotions I intend from my guitar, right? Um, yes. And I think there is. You know, I'm thinking about uh, who was the other guy? I just saw Otto Otto Porter. Um, who I saw opening for a- Outer Loop at Comet Ping Pong a couple months ago, and that's Otto A U T O P O R T E R, um, and that was really droney. You know, that was that was the kind of thing where like there might be a 15 minute song with like four chords total played. Um, it was fantastic, um, but it, it it does seem like a very deliberate effort to extract different textures tones and really create a different landscape with a guitar than i think um you know most people are trying to do so i don't know you know that 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 primitive thing i think ever since yasmin williams's sort of twitter tear on it like i'm not quite sure how to think about that label and i don't yeah. know i think I, I like john fahey but i understand her her beef with him um I, I I didn't see that, but I immediately went to Yasmin Williams, who's who is amazing, and yeah. uh, and we should uh, we should have uh, Yasmin. You should be on. We should talk to you yeah. about this. Uh, somebody like William Tyler uh, yes. is is, ama- is is absolutely amazing. But it it, it there the the market is is saturated. Uh, John is amazing, yeah. um, but there's so much that that isn't, and I and I don't, you know, per the the fish conversation, if it's if it is your bliss, that is that is absolutely great. And 
if it leads to like like money for these all these people doing this, um, that's great too. But I, it's like There's, I get I see so much of it, and I'm just like I don't. It reaches a point where I can't tell the difference. Yeah, as a guitar player, and I'm like, should should I be doing that? Like, well, like is, I think, can, can I make money doing that? Like, cool. And 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 you know, we don't we don't need to we won't do this on mic. But I think a couple of the big names that are held up in indie circles as sort of like you know modern guitar heroes are are folks that to me they're playing kind of leaves us cold and doesn't really. Oh, let me do it on mic. <laughs> you can do. You can. You can. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna. Um, but but you know, a lot of the uh, a lot of the sort of the hip blogosphere. Uh, world you know really really crowns a couple of like big name yeah. indie guys and they're they're just not they're just not to my liking i just don't i just don't find their music interesting i find this music infinitely more interesting than any of those other projects that get named i i find the more you tap into uh traditional music and traditional traditions of folk like actual which is what john does yeah um or you're just excellent like yasmin like yeah. that, that plane still like freaks me out. I love that that all those dudes loved it too. All yeah. those dudes who loved it, who we're talking about were like, "Whoa, there's yeah. a woman playing this." It's like, yeah, come on, man. Um, you know, but she's she's technically like one of the best guitar players I've ever heard. You know, yeah, she's, she's just stunning. Um, but yeah, it's uh. I guess what I'm saying is, seek out John Camp. Go see him. Seek out Yasmin yeah. Williams. Go see him. I want to say yeah. it, but I, I can bleep it out. I'm not gonna. Bleep it out. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. I won't. Keep yeah. it. Keep it positive. Keep it positive. Um, yeah, that's great. I'm glad. I'm glad you brought that because, yeah, it reminded me that I need to listen to more of that while uh, I'm out like, gardening my tending to my ghost pepper plant. Yes. So. Um, cool. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, this is fun. First interview of the new show back or new season. Kim Ware. Kim yeah. Ware and the Good Graces. Her new album, Ready, uh, which great is great. Record. This is, yeah. Yeah. This is, this is great. This is like a plus size episode for a Saturday. So I hope you got like your fucking like a, a scone or even an English muffin. Would go nice yeah. Stop this. doing. Stop doing the wordle. Just listen to us. Oh, yeah. That's a new <laughs> promoted to marketing manager, sir. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll be right back with the fantastic uh, Kim Ware about her new album, Ready.
I mean, I appreciate you wanting to get the word out about the record and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. Cool. I, was, I was listening today. Uh, in fact, it's all I've been listening to today. So oh, <laughs> I'm kind of like, I, I don't know if I feel like, uh, like if I'm like heartbroken, if I'm like a teenager now. <laughs> I, oh, <God. laughs> I, I mean that all in a good way, though. That's, that's I've, I've cool. been on a steady diet too, um, and I, it's really, it's really nice. I think I am. I, I have, I have, I have a theory. I have a whole thing about this, but we'll, we'll get into it. Nice. Okay. But you, you have a uh, a new album coming yeah. out. Yeah, um, tomorrow. It's it's out. Yeah, it's. Mm-hmm. I think as of as of by the time this is out, I already got my Bandcamp notice saying that. Yeah. Ready, ready is ready. Uh huh. So you put it out early. A day. Early. You said, you, you said, but you said, I mean, look, release schedules and all that, you know. <laughs> you got well, I wanted the people that pre-ordered it to get it a little bit early. Okay. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, no, yeah. I agree. I absolutely agree with that. Because I was like, should... I'm not doing anything. I used to do like, you know, I'd try to enclose like stickers or something with pre-orders, but mm-hmm. I, have, I didn't do anything like that this time. Because just life's been crazy, so I was like, "Well, I'll at least give it to them a little bit early." Yeah, that that should actually, I think, be the new norm instead of like advances to like press people. Because like, if you pre-order it, like you get it like two weeks early, and then just like let that be that, and be like, if you leak it, be like, we know who you are. Yeah. Um, I have this question um, for songwriters, musicians that I've been dying to ask uh, anybody who doesn't know me. Personally, like who doesn't live with me, basically Daria, <laughs> because she's sick of hearing it. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle of the pandemic, <clears throat> I found it really like the the idea that we would communicate our feelings by singing really, really odd. <laughs> because you can write out exactly what you say, right? You can just say this. And and um, if it's not like a big musical production, like you're not necessarily like doing it for uh, a, a big audience, a guaranteed audience. And I'm trying to figure out like where that uh, that, that instinct comes from. So you being somebody who's you've gone to songwriting camp, uh, you, you you really like hone in on the writing of this. Uh, where do you think that comes from for you? What what what's the jump from like say writing about your dad to be like yeah. I have to sing this now? Right, and like why am I so compelled to write about my feelings? Basically, yeah. Well, that I mean like, we know that Every, everybody wants to share their feelings, right? Everybody's like yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, well maybe not. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know, I'm trying to kind of start getting away from writing so much feeling stuff because for me like and i don't know if this even is going to answer your question but it's funny because i've been i've been thinking about this a lot lately like i think when when i was a kid i was like so shy and i don't think i felt comfortable i know i didn't i didn't feel comfortable expressing hard feelings and um when i did it was like I think a lot of people like my age, our age probably dealt with this where it's like, you know, if it's not just a pleasant feeling, then um, it's like, oh, well, what's wrong? It's like we got to fix it, you know, immediately. And it kind of turns into this big thing 
and I didn't want to cause a big thing. (laughs) And so I really think that like songs, I can express myself in songs. I feel like I can just so much easier and clearer and more concisely than I can just having a conversation with people. But it's almost like I lean, I lean on that so much now that I want, I want to just try harder to just not have to lean on that so much. (laughs) Right. Is it because, because, because you feel like it's giving you cover? Like, like you can say something, um, like, like I'm thinking of, I mean, all the songs on this are on this new album are, are steeped in feelings (laughs) and, uh, um, but there's, there's some, and thank you you for that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And there's some lines in here though that are just like, oh, wow, that's <laughs> that's that's hard, but that's that's a real, like that's a relatable feeling, mm-hmm. right? You know, the uh, I'm thinking yeah. about the song "You Two Means to well, an End," which makes me laugh every time I listen to it. When we kissed on the couch and we listened to you two, it was such a good New Year's Day, but I should have known it would fade. Cause it was fucked up in hindsight I used to me up in the dorm room that late night And I didn't want to believe It was a calculated reprieve I've never been scared of taking my chances But maybe I should be when it comes to romance And I shouldn't make out with my friends The idea that like this guy ditched you in your dorm room, or or the you know whoever you know the narrator, um, and and then just laying it out exactly how that felt, <laughs> and it's it's such a perfect encapsulation of that time in your life, um, of everybody's time in their life where they don't yeah. know what's going on. Like oh, I should probably should not make out with my friends. Yeah, and I mean I don't know. I think you said something about is it because I. I feel like it's like a cover or something mm-hmm. like, yeah, I mean, there have been times where I felt like I, I'm pretty bad with conflict and like I process things through songs and I get stuff out where it's like, I've, I've often wondered, like, if I just faced it head on, would I need to write the song about it? Right. I don't know. No, that, that, yeah, that, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Okay, this is this is a good data point for me. This is this is this is purely knowledge for me because it's really starting to confuse. Because like as as I like move into like making more and more music, mm-hmm. like I'm intentionally not singing. Like okay. I'm intentionally not. I'm not going to write that down. Like there's no <laughs> way. And I and I make the stupid mistake of thinking that if somebody hears like a guitar, they understand what I'm feeling, mm. which is not really a thing i don't know um i guess it can be for some people um for this album you had i know the song stop making plans i've heard that song before Mm -hmm. but you had you apparently had a lot of these written before the pandemic and then some like during the pandemic yeah about half and half half and half Mm -hmm. and then there's a lot of references in here to your dad who passed away. I can't remember if that happened right. before the pandemic or like. In it the did the summer before 2019. The summer before the thing. Uh-huh. So, so aside from the explicit stuff of, of Stop Making Plans being the song, what, how does, 
reconnecting with your mom because you moved to be closer to your mom. Yeah. Uh, you uprooted from Georgia. Right. Uh, all right. From Atlanta and then yeah. moved to North Carolina. And um, mm-hmm. and like how did like that experience and feeding into this pandemic where you're all of a sudden isolated from people like feed this the latter half of these songs? Yeah. So, I mean, I think I probably even more um, really leaned on songwriting. Mm-hmm. because I, w- I did feel very isolated and like some of the songs I call them therapy songs because um, like some some of them came out of just like an exercise that my therapist would give me so yeah. um, I mean I think they were they are probably a little like even more personal and I mean even the way I made it was more like I made it remotely with just right. me and one other person. So it's less of like a band collaboration as compared to my previous couple of records. Um, wow. So, yeah, I've never really thought about how it affected like the, the writing itself, but um, I imagine it probably m- made it even more just like introspective and like just like, right. About me, because I used to write a lot of relationship songs. Yeah. And yeah. now I really write more just like my kind of my relationship with myself yeah. often. So, yeah, this 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 goes this goes directly to my grand theory about this, about the, about your record, Kim, um, okay. which is that I think it's I kept I kept thinking about how about the phrase um you know, living that we all have to live with it. Right. Which was something that was said, I think, oh, yeah, in bad faith during the pandemic as a like, ah, get over it. We just have to live with it. And and I think, uh, you know, we're coming out of uh, out of that. We're still in the pandemic, but try and, and everyone is trying to figure out, you know, what is the it that we're living with and what does living with yeah. that thing mean? Right. And And what I really liked about this record is that while it's about pain and difficult things and it's clearly like the autobiographical side of it is just so you know so strong so powerful but but all of these songs are sort of about like moving on in some way or like or not not Mm -hmm. you know not transcending or leaving it behind but really living with that feeling so it's not just this this bad or difficult thing happened it's you know the songs themselves the, the actual plots will go into like the aftermath of the event Right. So mm-hmm. I, I, I really thought that was that was just such a, a unique way of kind of saying that there is there is work to be done after after difficult things happen. And the fact that you're pulling in therapy to it, it just it just sort of it, it confirms my initial hunch for me, at least. <laughs> um, but but what seemed what seemed really powerful to me about this album was just the idea that it's an album about being being ready for whatever's next right being sort of you know having having you know being able to face that difficult thing and then and then moving on from it yeah that's i'm glad you said that about the title because that's kind of what i why i named it that that's sort of what i had in mind and sorry i got a little bit distracted because i just realized that your name in here yes i am my 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 screen name for the purpose of this recording is currently making out with some friends and um and i think it's an important question that people should ask should i make out with my friends or not and this album <laughs> this album holds an answer 
it's true. It does. I don't have many answers, but that is one. <laughs> At clear. least not friends who follow widespread panic. Can we all just agree with that? <laughs> oh my God. I was so horrified to find out that and then to find out that they widespread panic is so big in Milwaukee. I just don't even like. Wow. No shame there, but I, man. Well, I was going to say, Kim, so so if you're talking about wanting to move away from from feelings and songwriting, does it do you know what it is that you want to be moving toward? And how is it how is it different from from where you've been? Um, probably more dad's. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> no, um, I don't know that I'll I'm actually I know that I won't move away from them completely. But to just try to balance that with like more observational and more. Um, may, I don't want to say like less direct, but maybe it is less direct. You know, maybe it's because a couple of songs I've written recently, it's like it's not as clear what what it's about, and I kind of like that. You know, I don't know what it means that the Palisade Peach, um, <laughs> uh, right? That it that it ripens on both sides. I think is the line. Yeah, yeah. Well, that yeah. was a a man said that those words. Um, okay exact words and i was like i don't know it's just it's so visual i was like i gotta do something yeah. with that so yeah, yeah. and I, I assume that was about your dad like saying that or <laughs> just like yeah. missing home he didn't say that but the right. it reminded me so much of him um yeah yeah well you mentioned therapy and the song like a bottle is, is a fascinating song The idea that even you can spend your life understanding your impact with on other people, but also when you lay it out like that, it's it's also simple and it's it's weird how we all kind of fuck it up, like for a long time. Yeah. Um, and to hear that in a song, it, it was uh, it, it was a little heartbreaking, a little like oh no, like I feel seen, but it was great to hear it uh, come out like that because. I think that's a feeling that everybody has had at one point or another that they just maybe don't necessarily acknowledge or get in touch with. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, it definitely was, it was a new realization for me. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that came, it that song just came out of an assignment. Like I had not really thought about it um, in that way until I had a conversation with a friend about the whole thing and he kind of helped me see it as as like a cycle yeah um, well that if you're around it, for long enough you get to be both sides of the you get to be the yeah. the damager and the damaged yeah i think uh, often you do for yeah. sure yeah yeah and, th- and th- i don't i don't necessarily think that's a, a horrible thing i think that's <laughs> human nature in right. a large part you know we you, you yeah. know it's it's hard to stay focused on anybody but yourself. Like to be honest, especially through a pandemic. Like, what are you gonna like? Dude, yeah, <laughs> right. You no, know, you're it, so right. And it's funny because last time I went to therapy, I asked my, th- I was like, "Do you think I'm self-centered?" And she like she didn't miss a beat. She 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 goes, "Everybody is." Like as soon as I yeah. said it, yeah, she goes, "Everybody is." 
Yeah. Oh. Well, it, yeah. it kind of that 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 song left me wondering a lot about that that sort of fine line of of understanding what what goes into making you who you are today, but then also like not wanting to give the people who harmed you credit for the fact that you're okay, right? Not wanting to sort of like retroactively justify the shit they did to you just because like, oh, just because I'm okay now, it's good that you did that thing to me a while back. Oh, right. True. Yeah, definitely don't want to do that. Um, And I think for me, I can't speak for everybody, obviously, but for me, it was just like, I had not even really acknowledged that for what it really was. And so I think that's part of, you know, writing the song too. It's like, would I have written it? I doubt it. Like the same way, like 10, 15 years from now after after I had already realized that that was the thing, right. you know? Yeah. Um, so that was a lot of it. It's just like, wow, okay. Now now I kind of have clarity about this thing. And I, I guess I kind of wanted just to share that with, with somebody else. Did your therapist know that they were assigning, that they were basically sort of co-creating your next album with you? When they, they get a co-writing credit? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I thanked her on, in the CD. Um, and I mean, she didn't, she didn't inspire, so Like a Bottle is a very therapy-ish song, but she actually didn't inspire that one, but she inspired Capital R. Mm. Um, and I think she's very proud of that fact. <laughs> she likes the song, I think. <laughs> I, lo- I loved the contrast of of you adjusting all the paintings uh, versus, I think it was, um, was it on the new Beyonce album that she has some line about knocking Basquiat's off of walls or oh, something wow, like that? Oh, wow, that's cool. Yeah, I just thought that was such a cool little contrast. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I just kind of wanted to um, make it sound like this this thing is making a mess of things, you know. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, for sure. Uh, you didn't have like uh, unstable isn't the right word. You you guys built a house. No, right? it's so, still being built. Oh, okay, okay. So so that so that's actually interesting. So so you had these very deep roots in Atlanta. And people yeah. you work with. And you mentioned you worked with Jerry Key, but it was remotely. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. you had these very deep roots. And then you pulled those up and moved into a situation mm-hmm. of isolation. Like, w- what did that make you feel about, like, what you wanted to write going forward? Because this is this is a, a, a more deeply personal album than I think your other stuff. Uh, but it's mm-hmm. also like builds really strongly on on the roots you put down there, so you can you yeah. can feel that that legacy of what you were doing. But this does feel like something completely new. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, I mean, I think by the time I started writing songs that would be on the album, it's funny because my last album references home a lot. Mm-hmm. And I wrote it and recorded it before I even knew that I was moving back home. Oh. Wow. And I thought, oh, wow. Like, I, I like to say that last album was psychic. Yeah. <laughs> and like, and I, but I think it did. Um, I wanted to kind of lean into that even more and um, just lean into my twang more. <laughs> yeah. And, and I figured, you know, it's probably going to reflect home even more and maybe not even 
not necessarily always the physical representation of home. Yeah. Um, cause that there's been a lot of questioning of like what home is for me right. over the past few years too. And I think I kind of was, was hoping that it would reflect that at least, you know, in, in parts. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people have actually had that experience. Like, you know, you have mm-hmm. like, like in my case, we uprooted from DC and moved to Wisconsin and then we're only here for like a year before mm-hmm. everything kind of went to shit. But there are people yeah. who were like, who are like maybe just in relationships or hadn't really mm-hmm. felt out like their relationship. And they were like, what is, Oh, now we're, we're just mm-hmm. stuck together. We can't go anywhere. And you, you figure out what's important to you. I think, I hope. Uh, yeah. Although, although it seems like a lot of people might not have, um, no. to the point of your twang, uh, I think you did turn it up on this record, uh, and I, and I commented on it last time we talked, but I, I think it's fantastic because as a uh, a fellow Southerner, but not a deep Southerner, you don't hear many people just let it rip. You hear, I, I think you hear like you and Patterson Hood. Oh, and, cool. And, and that's, that's the only people that I can think of that are just like, nope, this is how I talk. This is how I yeah. sing. And, mm-hmm. and, I mean, do you think about that? Do you, do you ever think about doing the whole, like, the white dude thing? Like, I have to sound like a British guy. <laughs> oh, gosh. No, I mean, for so long, I tried to mask it um, in my speaking voice and when I was singing. I think mainly because, well, like, for my speaking voice, because I worked in, like, the corporate world for so long. And I, like, worked my way up to a management position and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I had this preconceived ideas that you know i wouldn't sound intelligent if i talked too southern and when i left that world i also was like screw that (laughs) that's that took a lot of energy and that was kind of (laughs) dumb um (laughs) but um i forgot the I i think i forgot your question (laughs) <laughs> well, uh, le- just like leaning into it. So so I can tell yeah. you that like I don't um, – my, my accent gets stripped out. Some people think I sound like uh, Wisconsinite now. Mm-hmm. It's it's a really weird state of, of flux. But yeah. I did, as a Southerner, always um, – I mean this is just a bias people have. You hear twang in a voice and you assume redneck. Yeah, and you assume yeah, yeah, it's a, exactly. And it's a negative mm-hmm. connotation. I can right. tell you the rednecks in Wisconsin are way worse than the rednecks in the top. <laughs> yeah, it's accent crazy. or not. Right. It's funny. <laughs> and, and, I, and I can't even do a Wisconsin accent. So it's right. just like, but it's one of those things that, like, if people understand that that's, that isn't really an indication of, of who you are, it's just an indication of, like, it can tell you where you're from and it can inform yeah. you of stuff. Yeah. But I, but I think in, in the terms of, like, you, the connection between you and Patterson Hood, I think you both think. Uh, very southernly about the way you write. You're very direct. There's there's not often not right. the songs can be complex, but there's often not a lot to them. Like the message yeah. is pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, I think that's that's what I was what I was gonna say. As far as like leaning into it for my vocals, um, I mean that's been a progression that I think I've done a little bit more over the past couple of albums and then a lot more with this one. And yeah. it's not necessarily like, oh, I want to sound more country now. I mean, to be honest, whenever I would come visit Kings Mountain, North Carolina, where I live now, from Atlanta, when I would go back 
to Atlanta, even if I was just here for like a weekend or something, my husband would, be, would notice that I was talking <laughs> countryer from being here. So, I mean, some of it is just yeah. I've been here two years now. And so I'm going to I'm going to sound countryer. But, yeah, I do think a lot of it was just um, like I said, it it took a lot of energy. And I do really want to. I mean, I've been writing songs long enough now that it's really, really important to me to sound like me, to sound like it as far as my voice right. and like the writing and like, what is that? Well, for me, I mean, a big part of it is a Southern accent. I speak with a Southern accent. I'm very, very Southern and yeah. that's okay. And I'm, it's about time now at 50 years old, I think for me to just be like, this is how I sound. So, yeah. 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 It really, it really adds to like the, the like the terroir of the album to use a hoity-toity uh, word, but but you know there's just this feeling about the whole record that is a really personal, and then um, the 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 details that are dropped in like of geography of kind of mm-hmm. you know it's it's an album that's clearly situated in the sort of like you know southeast. Um, there's that the production has. I'm 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 wondering if there were deliberate choices there too. Like there were moments where I would catch like a little whiff of like a sort of a centromatic or something like that, where it just felt really like that sort of yeah. perfect spot between like kind of twangified rock and, and there are like country elements, but it feels, it feels different. It feels, uh, you know, there's, there's a reference to Pearl Jam on here and, and as well as you too. Right. And that feels, that yeah. feels sort of more in line with where the album is pointing in some ways. Yeah. I mean, nineties stuff was such a huge influence on me. And I think on Jerry as well. And honestly, when I was writing the songs, and I think mainly because I was writing by myself and I was writing on acoustic guitar and I was playing by myself. I mean, for most of, you know, the latter half of 2020 and probably first half of 2021, any performances I did were just online, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, just me by myself. So I thought they were folk songs and I thought it was going to be more of a country folk album. But Jerry's really into like indie bedroom pop stuff, like 90s stuff. So he really wanted to bring in that element, which I really liked because I, I think ultimately it probably makes it a lot more interesting. It's also a testament to like a, a great song when you can you think it's something, but you can like basically move it through idioms and then it just lands on something. And there you go. All of a sudden it's like the same song. It means just as much, but it sounds like radically different. Yeah. And you can play it any way you want to. Um, you mentioned the online thing. Mm-hmm. And I know you, I think you started or like co-founded mm-hmm. this whole like online experience during the pandemic that yeah. got pretty big, right? Yeah. Especially there for a while, it was people were so engaged in it and just really, really supportive. And there's still a lot going on there. What, what, what is it called? It's, like, it's called Kimono, Kimono my, my House. Yeah. And how, how many artists do you think you had like at the peak of it, like participating? Oh, in gosh. Um, well, we did a festival. We did an in-person festival oh, yeah. this past March right. in Atlanta. And there were 60, like 60 Jeez. people played total. I mean, some, yeah. you know, some bands were comprised, obviously, of three or four members. Um, but, I mean, there's been hundreds. Like, there's 8,000 members um of the facebook group it's on facebook but i mean as hundreds of people have performed in it wow that's and and 
it's no substitute for live performance, but like right. that was a move that everybody made. When did you were you eventually like could that fill some of the hole that was left for like all you guys from performing? Like did it like make things easier or, or, or yeah. was it more of like a business decision? Oh like, no, we, it wasn't a business hustle, decision. Like. Yeah, it was it was super like very off the cuff cuff like ha- happenstance super like not very thought through at all <laughs> like i came i came home yeah. from work on um march 13th 2020 was when things shut down in atlanta yep and i came home from work early that day thinking that you know we might go back in a few weeks oh it was a pause <laughs> it was a pause it was yeah. like right. a, it was like a three to five week pause exactly yeah. Yeah. and so i was um i was on my front porch and i remember i was just kind of you know looking at my phone and Facebook and stuff and my friend Andy Gish who, she plays music in Atlanta she had posted something like just throwing it out there kind of like I want to try to do something because I just had to cancel a bunch of shows and what can we do and she was like should we do something on Facebook and I was I was just like let's do a Facebook group and perform over Facebook live and so that day we created it and we invited you know, a bunch of Atlanta bands and mm-hmm. Atlanta singer songwriters and stuff. And I really thought that, like, I don't know, maybe we'll have a hundred people join at some point or something. Right, and right. it was really just for us and our friends at first. And, um, but then it, people just started sharing it and inviting more and more and more and more people. And now it's like, I'm, there's people from all over the world. In there. It, is that something you see now as sort of part of? Like going forward and, and some of the people that worked on this with you as part of your career, because like before the pandemic, streaming was sort of looked at like, oh, I don't know who's going to be really into that. Mm-hmm. And I think what we all found out was that uh, even if it's not done well, it's just if it hits you at the right time, mm-hmm. uh, it can be magical. Yeah, I think it's it's here to stay. And I think it. What I like about it now is even, I mean, around here, people are, you know, people are playing in-person shows and going to them and not as much as we used to. But I love that, you know, if you're, if you're sick, if you can't get a babysitter, if, if you maybe are just not physically able to go to a venue, um, I love that that is an option now. Um, for me personally, though, I'll be honest, like, I love that group. I made so it's crazy how many friends I made during the pandemic from that group. Like it's like who that was the best thing for me. And especially having moved from Atlanta, I felt like it kind of kept, kept me connected with a lot of people in Atlanta. Um, but I also like I left the corporate world um, largely because I really, really wanted to move away from sitting in front of a computer all day. Yeah. And I enrolled in grad school. And then that instantly became a virtual thing. And I found myself, well, I'm, now I'm still in front of the computer, computer all day. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not as active on that stuff as, as I once was. It still means right. a whole lot to me, but it's just, it's really hard. And I have to really like balance it or I start to go a little bit, like stir crazy with it. But I mean, I do think, I think it's something that's going to be around for a while. And even if our group, even if it kind of like fades away, the biggest thing about it was like i said the the relationships that were formed that hopefully they will you know they'll still be a thing so yeah yeah. how um as a musician how have you plugged into your new community is there is there room for you there 
you know, they've been so great because I missed Atlanta so much and I was so homesick for it. And I really still am. But there's an organization of singer songwriters around Charlotte, which uh, my town, it's super small town, but it's about like 35 miles from Charlotte. Mm -hmm. Um, So Charlotte's like the biggest place near here. But there's an organization called um, Southern Songwriters Association. And I, I joined that right after I moved to the area because I was like, I got to meet some people doing music, even <laughs> if it's just, you right. know, even if it's just virtually. Right. And they have been so great to me. And like a lot of them do put on their own shows and have like um, like songwriter showcases, and like in the rounds and stuff like that. And yeah. so I've been doing a lot of those. And I feel so lucky in that respect because I mean, I loved Atlanta and I wasn't, I just, uh, it was hard to leave. I wasn't very crazy about it, but that has been such a bright light. Like the, the people that I have met since coming here that play music, they're, they're amazing and they've been really, really good to me. So, yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see how going forward, um, small regional scenes like that fare yeah. because, mm-hmm. You can find in most communities, you can find everything that you want out of that big show at the 6,000 seat venue. Like just somebody in, in a community like that. Mm-hmm. You can find a great songwriter. You can find a great sure. pianist. You can find great performers. And I, and, I, and I worry as the world just keeps like hyper expanding that we, we forget that and we don't pay attention to it. And then nobody. So people will still do it, though. Like it still happens. It's just you need to like mm-hmm. pay attention to it, you know. Whether you're where you are or like you know, I grew up in Lynchburg. You know, there's apparently like mm-hmm. a bustling scene there now. I, I mean, I have, <laughs> I don't even know what that's about. But but people seem to just uh, understand that like it's 2022 and we can do this wherever and whenever we want to. Yeah, and that's been amazing to see because, like you mentioned, like you know, smaller places because. I mean, when I lived in Atlanta, I lived in Atlanta. I lived in mm-hmm. the city limits of Atlanta, you know, and I didn't venture much outside of there. Um, but here, you know, I'm in, I mean, it's not really a suburb of Charlotte, but, you know, it's just a really rural town that happens to be somewhat close to it. But there are so many, like, little towns like this yeah. um, within within like an hour or so from me. And it's amazing how many like just li- little like little pockets of little scenes they have and little like wine bars and stuff, you know, and it's nothing. Yeah. It's not anything on any grand scale, but it's like the people just are so into it and it's so real and pure. And I don't know, I've been thinking a lot about just the I just love writing songs and playing music and I've never had any designs of like being like famous or anything from sure, it. Sure. Um, and then coming here, that's even, even more. It's helped me realize like, Oh, there's so much that you can do. Like if you want to just gig as much as possible in front of people that really appreciate it and feel like you're doing something that like connects with people and makes a difference. There's so many opportunities to do that here. And that's really what I'm really into more than anything else. So that's been really great. Yeah, I think that's 
I mean, for me, maybe it's a fifty thing, but like uh, that's the most. Yeah. Um, that's more. That's more important now than mm-hmm. like the the big big hype shows. Uh, how did you hook up with Jerry Key? Gosh, I've known him for so long, um, and I think I came to know him personally back in around like um, two thousand or so. I had a little record label, and I released this album. It was an EP by this band called Look Well, um, and they recorded with Jerry. And I think at that point I had probably heard his name, but I didn't know him personally or anything. I think I met him back then, um, so that long ago, you know, like 20-some wow. years ago now. So it only took um, 20 years. Through them. Well, I've worked with him before. He, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, he, I've recorded here and there with him, little little things like some EPs and stuff, some of my earlier stuff, and he mixed um, Set Your Sights, an album I put out in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I've done stuff with him before. This was the first time that we worked together, like, um, at this scale, you know, and did, like, a full album, and, like, he played... He's played on some stuff of mine before, little things here and there, but he, he did a lot on this one. Nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. What is, so we kind of like wind this down. Um, sure. What was the your favorite song on this album, but it doesn't necessarily have to be like the outcome. Like give me your favorite song because just writing it. Hmm. I think if you say if you say so many questions, I will just start crying on just, <laughs> just unprompted. Just just so you know, it's just an involuntary reaction. <laughs> God, it's so hard to pick. So many questions was the first one I wrote for this album. Oh wow! And it was okay. the first one that I sent to Jerry, and it was the first one that he sent me something back. And then wow. I, so it so it kind of set. Tone. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, and I was like, oh, okay, we're gonna go in this direction. So many questions and you used to have all the answers, but now everything seems so different and strange. I'm not sure if you still know. So that is definitely, that one is really special to me. Um, gosh, it's so hard. I mean, the song Overflowing is my favorite on the album because I like how it sounds. I like how it turned out. Yeah. But as far as writing songs go, um, I don't know. 
Um, I don't know. I think it's tough to pick one. I think like a bottle might might be my favorite as far as songwriting goes. Right. It's a great song. I mean, Thanks. they're all great songs, Kim. Oh, well, <laughs> they're, um, thank you. You know, like I said, it's the start of this. You have this unique talent to make uh, <laughs> old dudes like me remember what it was like to feel young, <laughs> which is like, mm-hmm. it, it's just such mm-hmm. a weird feeling to, uh, like, I, I'm post-angst, and then all of a sudden <laughs> Like young youthful angst. I'm like, oh, what is this? And then it's like, oh yeah, I know what that is. And it kind of feels good. It oh. kind of like it's like it's it's not it's not fake. It's not it's very yeah. like oh yeah, this is this is how it was. This is at, like it, it, it's it's hard to describe for people who haven't heard your music because there's a lot of like stuff that like name checks youthful things or whatever, but they don't. Um. You don't feel it, and with you, I think I don't know. I don't know why. I'll figure it out someday. But you feel it. <laughs> well, I think part well, of it. Thank you. I think part of it, Kim, is that is that you really nailed this sort of perspective of you know while these are and it's funny that that you know Kevin, you've you've mentioned that these are such like kind of like angsty these songs. These are songs that like mm-hmm. remind you of like younger times. Whereas whereas what I what I hear is is very much someone looking back on those times with the perspective, wisdom, maturity that young people don't have right and being able to sort of present these things in a way that is honest and maybe more more complete than it would be if you were writing the songs from that perspective at that point in time in your life if that makes sense right yeah i i know i wouldn't have been able to write about that stuff or anything like that like back in my 20s for sure i didn't even write songs then um so I think for me, I definitely needed that. And again, I think it's probably a reflection of coming back to a place where I lived right. from the time I was born until I was 18. Mm. You know, yeah. um, I can't help but be like then thinking a lot about that time period. And so I guess it comes out because of that, too. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That can. I haven't. Yeah, I have a scheduled trip back to Virginia. I'm back on the East Coast uh, since we left. And uh, and I know I have feelings about it, <laughs> but I don't know what those feelings are going to be uh, because mm-hmm. uh, I spent, what, 48 years there? 46 years there? Mm-hmm. Something like that? Wow. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, we, we miss you back here, Kevin. <laughs> well, you know where I live, Ed. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know... Uh, Last thing, odds and evens. You wrote a political mm-hmm. song, and it's a great song. But I, I kind of have you ever. <laughs> if anybody's going to write a political song like this, and use the title "Bless Your Heart," <laughs> I think <No. laughs> I think it'll be you. <laughs> Because yeah. I mean, it's a it's a beautiful song, but it's also like this kind of like huge like fuck you to like what are we doing? We're throwing out daggers while we hide behind screens. How did we get so mean? What do we tell our daughters? What do we? 
haven't really written political songs. I mean, yeah, yeah. Stop, stop making plans has a little bit of references to socio-political stuff, but um, yeah. I mean, I couldn't stop thinking about like that came out of watching everything happen on January sixth, and oh, okay, yeah. yeah, it was just. I mean, I was working at home and I was glued to the television all day and I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I wrote that just a couple of weeks later. And part of it was kind of an exercise of of actually not putting. It's not that I'm like being chicken about putting a strong opinion out there. Sure. But I, the thing I kept thinking was just that like how do we explain this to our kids and i don't even have any kids but i meant more collectively and i couldn't stop thinking that and so i just um i mean i had i have a lot of questions i had a lot of questions that i um and i thought well what if what if i just wrote a song that's like this mostly questions instead of like pretending that i have the answers about it and so that's that's why it came out the way it did. I think I just could not stop thinking, how do we explain this to our kids? And we really yeah. suck. And how did we get here? And, 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 and. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and it's yeah. such a universal feeling. It, I mean, it's such yeah. a, I mean, you know, you, the dialogue is better for everybody if we're asking questions instead of assuming that we know all these answers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And eventually, eventually there can be answers. There's an answer to just about everything. But, mm-hmm. you know, that feeling of of being confused by stuff um, because you have some like moral center, for example, um, <laughs> is 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 pretty, pretty broadly shared, I think, uh, by a lot yeah. of people in the world right now. Yeah, well, maybe that's I don't know. I want to believe that's a starting point to something yeah. better. Yeah. Um, I think, well, they, you know, you're already great. I think this album is the starting point of something better, though. Oh. Um, so it's that you're not, you're not, you're not starting from nothing. You're starting like way up here. Um, it has been fantastic to talk to you, and I yeah, hope same. everybody listens to this album and buys <laughs> it and and just streams as much as they can. Um, you need to come play Cactus Club. Just okay. let me know and uh, bring your husband. We'll cook you dinner. Let's although I understand he could outcook me any day of the week. <laughs> that's, that's, that's okay. Um, can, I, can, but, I, can I be uh, there for these for these dueling dinners? I'd like, I'd like to. I'd like to. I'd like to see you two try to outcook each other. <laughs> oh wow! Be, yeah, but uh, thank you so much. Thank um, you. Yeah, this has been great. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ken. Could drop in for a bite, and you might not recognize me. It's surprising.